for joining us for Finding Focus. This is a series of actionable, candid conversations in which we talk to amazing people about how and why they find focus in a digitally distracted world. And I am extremely excited today, sitting here with Drew. He is the VP of Growth at Lasso. Um, we are, you know, I have to say before I even start, I love that your company name even had focus. I look right there on, on LinkedIn and it says the people platform for the events industry. Boom. So Drew Brucker has been someone I've respected on LinkedIn for his authentic and very focused and thoughtful posts. And I'm really glad to have you here today, Drew, because this is the first time that you and I have chatted. This is the first time we're actually going to get into the meat of what we do and, and how you focus, of course. So welcome to the show. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Digital so far in terms of the relationship, but I feel like you and I have connected on some good things already. And same thing. I, I love the the content that you share um, and super interested, you know, in your journey to get where you're at. And I think that's that's something I connect with. And I think we're all connecting to on LinkedIn is just kind of realizing there are a lot of people that have similar but different journeys into how they got to where they are. And you're definitely uh, one of those cases for me. So it's it's an absolute pleasure to be here. We're going to start off with a little bit of a mutual fan appreciation. Actually, you know, that's kind of fun yeah. to tie into the fact about focus because I think on LinkedIn, and just to reiterate, you and I have not met in person before this. It's purely a LinkedIn, you know, connection. And I think we're able to do that because you and I both have a very clear presence on LinkedIn, right? Like we know what we're doing there. The focus in what we do there is, is really clear. For you, let's talk about kind of what your overall focuses are, because I see them on LinkedIn. I know what you're working on. From one glance at you online, you've given me like your brand. But why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about kind of what you are focused on, both personally and professionally? Wow. Okay. That's that's strong praise because I feel lost in the woods sometimes. Um, you know, posting on LinkedIn, you know, is still pretty new for me. I, I think I started probably at the end of March, early April. And I just, you know, similar to a lot of people that I think have started recently, have seen sort of this this value exchange take place on the platform, right? It's a lot of really great thought leaders that are sharing their perspective and in turn learning from others. And so I wanted to get involved in that. I, you know, sort of took the leap of faith to, to put myself out there and share some of the things I've learned as well as communicate and engage back with other people that um, have really interesting insights themselves. And so that's how I got started. I think you know, especially early, I, I didn't know what, what to post about, um, but I, I started listening to a lot of people that were either posting or podcasts about um, writing in general. And one of the things they always lead with is share, you know, like document your current journey um, or talk to yourself, you know, from two or three years ago. What would you share with that person? What are some of the lessons you learned? You know, how would you better craft you know, your, your journey to get to where you are, if you had that perspective that you have now. So almost a hindsight sort of uh, perspective. And I don't know, I, I started to think about that pretty, pretty heavily. And um, when I started writing on LinkedIn, like I was really gaining a lot of momentum personally at the same time, I started doing things like journaling and, you know, finding a way to get workouts in now as a father of one-year-old twins, right? Like so some of those wins along the way, getting outside early in the day, not checking my phone first thing in the morning, all those things. And um, LinkedIn was just another way 
to kind of, um, it was another good habit to build in. And so I felt that momentum um, while I was putting those other pieces of the puzzle together. And so, yeah, I, I, I started sharing, you know, some of the more personal experiences and then kind of mixing that in with some of the marketing stuff and the lessons that I've learned along the way. I've I've got kind of a, a generalist background in the, in the sense that I've done a little bit of everything. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I arrived at sort of this 50-50 balance of marketing and self-optimization, you know, just thinking about your life outside of work, but also thinking about your, your, yourself at work and um, the things that are really curious to me and, and the areas that I think should be shared with other marketers. I love that you called it out because if you didn't, I was going to. The right on your profile says self-optimization. And I think that that is yeah. so beautiful. I mean, A, because you're doing it for other people, which I think is interesting. That's the whole purpose of LinkedIn and sharing is you're literally saying, here's how, here's what I've gone through. Here's how I've done it. But also I loved your point about it actually helped you, right? Like it became a habit that helped shape what you do. Um, I, I think social media can often be the habit that goes the wrong way, but I was very interested to hear you just say that focusing kind of what you speak to on LinkedIn and taking the time to really do that conscientiously actually impacted your other habits. Um, tell me about some of those other habits because I, habits comes up often when we talk about focus, um, not just, you know, really wanting to focus, but actually building in the structures to it. What are some of the other habits that you have in your day to day? One of them I heard is my favorite, which is not looking at your phone first thing in the morning. That that's, that's probably my favorite too. I, and it's weird, right? Because you can, you know, between the podcasts you listen to, the people you talk to, the things that you see on LinkedIn, all these things, habits shouldn't be that hard. You know, you hear them so often. It's like, okay, all I have to do is do them, right? But I guess it's just a matter of like really consolidating that down to maybe one habit to start with, you know? And I think that's that's kind of what I did. I think maybe journaling was the first one. And I had never journaled before. But I did get, um, you know, just like a $10 thing off Amazon. I put it next to my bed. And I was like, okay, so for the next 30 days, no matter what, first thing I do when I wake up, I'm going to take this. I'm going to get outside, which I'm just going to step outside my backyard, sit on the stoop. First 10, 15 minutes a day, I'm just going to write out my thoughts. Doesn't matter what they are. Not going to judge them. Not even going to judge how pretty my handwriting is because, you know, I'm, I'm all about like writing super neat. Like nothing. Um, Let's just empty my brain, you know? And, and so I started doing that. And then I don't know that I consciously thought about it, but I started kind of doing one other thing and one other thing because I, I, I started to get the ball rolling. There was some momentum there. And I think that was my biggest takeaway. So I started with something like journaling. Um, the, the phone, no phone the first hour when you wake up has been huge for me. Um, and there's science behind it, right? It's, it's, your brain, when you wake up, is in a theta wave state. So you're more suggestible. Um, you know, your emotions can be triggered pretty easily, right? And so these people, um, and I was one of them that pick up their phone, and then you're immediately on social media and you read some, some news article or somebody that disagrees with you, you get in the comments section of Twitter, your day's destroyed, you know, or your morning's destroyed. You don't have that peace of mind that you need. So that's one of my favorites. Um, I've been kind of doing the cold shower thing at the end of, uh, of my morning showers because it just kind of, um, gets that adrenaline going. I, like, I, I really do feel that. And then the other thing I do is I, I was gonna say, those are hugely science backed as well too. I mean, it does incredible things for blood pressure and heart rate. I mean, there's so much. And dopamine. dopamine yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. But a cold shower in the morning, you're brave. I'm a cold shower person too, but boy, oh boy, in the morning, that's a good one. Keep going. Sorry. Well, 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 and you're, you're in Alaska too, right? So maybe it's the, the, the environment and maybe it's also easier now that it's warm outside. Let's see what happens when it's still dark and I'm showering and it's cold. It's probably gonna be a little bit tougher, but, um, same thing. I try to get outside uh, in the circadian rhythm going within the first 30 minutes to an hour. So the way that I accomplish that is I just take my dog outside for a walk. Don't bring my phone with me. Um, you know, just kind of soak everything in. And so if you really take a, a look at that first hour, I'm setting myself up to be my best self in a good mood. Um, I'm not distracted. I'm not agitated. And I've almost got more of a tranquil state about me before I get you know, bombarded with notifications, emails, work requests, et cetera. So I think that's important for everybody. I think that's hugely important. I'm glad you dove into it. You know, one of the things that you and I connected about on LinkedIn, which I think is super interesting, and I want to dive in before the time flies by, is you've mentioned you spoke very, very directly about how your ADHD plays into your, you know, understanding of how structure is important and also how you value focus, right? Like how we get to focus. Because no one is focused all the time. That's, that's unsustainable. No. Um, and in my background, I actually worked with uh, high schoolers who all, it was a full population. Everybody had ADHD. And we talked a lot about the benefits of understanding how your brain works and can or cannot focus. I'd love to hear more of your perspective on that. Like how, what you bring from that perspective that allows you to understand focus better or to, um, or to, to get better focus for yourself. Because I think actually starting with a bigger challenge can end up with more learnings. Yeah. I, I put, um, like being aware of those things is, is obviously important, right? So like if I pick up my phone and I know I'm about to get on Instagram or whatever, right. Being aware that I'm about to scroll perhaps even mindlessly is one thing, but being able to actually do something about it is another. Um, because I will have that thought in my mind for literally a half a second and it's gone. Right. And I'm off. My mind's off to the races. And so it's, it's not only about that. I think I've tried to hack that in a few ways, you know, with something like Instagram, you can put one of those timers on where it's like, you've been on Instagram X amount of time. And so then I've got sort of this backup plan that I'm not mindlessly scrolling. I think that's the key is that I'm not just doing this to do this. Right. I, I, I need to, take what I want to get out of it, or if I'm there for a reason, do that and then dip. Uh, so I think that's, that's one thing I've noticed is like awareness isn't enough. I need to have the next step in place. I need to have a plan B set up and a safety net there um, for when, it, you know, plan A doesn't work um, because it does have holes in it. And so that's one thing um, I would also for me. And I don't, I was just going to point ahead. out there too. I like your point about, um, you know, technology. I think, we don't see all the time technology to support that, right? We know that Facebook and everything is creating more engagement. That's what, I mean, that's what their UX designers are doing. That's what their content producers are doing. We're trying to get people to engage more, to spend more attention elsewhere. That's what most of the tools do. So I think it is important to call out, um, even just you know an Instagram timer like that, when there are technology that can support us protecting our attention, I think that's exceedingly important. So. I love that. Love that quick tip about a timer. Um, I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, keep going because I think I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was excited about that. Yeah. No. I like. It, I. I. To answer your question, I really think it's about that. It's. I don't know if I've. Um, 
I've certainly got, you know, certain processes or systems that I try to follow to better align, you know, to eliminate any distraction, because I think it is really about, you know, I don't know, 10% distraction or 10% action, I would say, and 90% distraction. It's almost like, get out of here, get out of here, turn this off, do that, put this out of the room. And I, I heard you on a, on a previous podcast mention, you don't, you, you put your phone outside of the room, which I think is the ultimate, that, that is the best way to do it. Right. I mean, it is. And so I've, I've been that person for a long time now, um, probably like seven or eight years where I don't even have the volume on, on my cell phone. It's always on vibrate, right? Because I don't want to hear any of that. I'll pick it up the 200 times a day or whatever on average that, that I will anyway. Right. So I don't need any alarms uh, to do that work for me. And so I think that's part of it. Um, and coming up with, you know, the processor systems, you know, you and I talked about one in particular that I use for deep work. Um, and I think that's, that's certainly one part of the equation, but you also got to factor in, you know, external circumstances, you know, communi communication, uh, I, I call it communication overhead that comes in through the team, right? So that's the proportion of time that you spend talking to your team or people in your organization versus the actual work that you're doing, right? So it's thinking about things like that. It's thinking about my energy cycles throughout the day. When do I do my best work? Because not, not all hours are equal. Um, and, you know, performance load, how much can I take on? I cannot do all 30 things on my list. I need to cut this thing down. And what are the three to five things that are the most important that if I just do those, I'm going to walk away and I'm happy no matter what, because doing the 20 to 30 things never happen. Yeah. That's a theme that constantly comes up, right? Is the, is you, is the, you can't do everything. So I loved how you talked a lot about minimizing the distractions because that's a huge part of it. Um, I, I think that like, to, to our earlier discussion around like ADHD, I think that that's a big thing that people who have grown up with focus issues of various different sorts, knowing that they need to remove the distraction is such a wonderful concept from the get-go. And I think a lot of us are still learning that. Like, I just need to turn down the volume on the ringer. I need to put the phone out of the room. It's as simple as simply removing distraction. But let's dive in a little bit to your point about what you are focused on, because that's the other piece is saying no to a lot of things. You and I are both in very similar situations where there's probably, if there were 10 of us, we would probably still be busy. Um, so I want to dig a little bit more into what's your approach to saying no? What allows you to, you know, for me, I write post-its in the morning. I, if I don't have, if I have three things on the post-it, that's almost too much, right? Um, what allows you to like fit what you're doing on a post-it? Now you may not always do that. I know how life works, but what what at least allows you to try? Oh, you've got you've got mine's mine's larger than a post-it, but um, it's a great question. I I don't have it all figured out, right? So that's that's not why I'm here. I mean, I you know on the you know on the rating of one to ten, you know how how well am I able to focus? I put a six. I, I think. I've got systems in place. I've got certain things that I know work well. Now, do, having the discipline and, and things in place to do them all the time, that's that's the next level. That's that's the difference between a six and an eight or a nine, right? So, um, yeah, we're we're busy quite a bit. I think saying no is still very very hard for me. I am in a role that I think both caters against that in some ways because we still are small. Right. And so it's like, there are so many things to do. And 
a lot of them do feel crucial, but I tell my team this all the time. The hardest part about your job and my job is the same thing. And it's prioritizing the priorities. How well can you take a look at those top things and really dwindle them down to the top of the top? Because you're going to get hit with, you know, requests from different departments. Well, what's the deadline on that? How, what, what is the outcome of doing that? And does that make sense to do right this second? Or can that wait a month? Can that wait a couple of weeks? Like we have to ask those questions. And so saying no is still very, very hard. But, you know, one other thing that somebody on my team gave me was if it doesn't have an agenda, I'm not saying yes, you know, to a meeting. I um, and I, I, I heard that. And I thought that was great because, you know, I think we get so used to just throwing something on the calendar and you know, we're also limited because Outlook loves just setting things up in the 30 minute blocks, 30 minutes or an hour. You don't have, your meetings don't have to be 30 minutes or have to be an hour. Could your 30 minute be 15 minutes? Cause your hour be 30. You know, I'm thinking about those things. And so, um, those, those are the things I, I fall back on for my team. You know, what we do is we try to have a certain cadence each week and then the rest of the time they're out and going, you know? So what, what I do is I do a one-on-one with everybody uh, on my team. Um, and then I also, we also do 15 minute standups daily. So quick 15 minutes, let's just run through our top one to two things for that day. Right. And so that's how we also consolidate those points. And then during the week, we have a, a weekly stink, which is more or less like a deep dive. What are all the projects going on? Can we look at metrics? What are next steps? What are the roadblocks that are in place? For example, outside of those three things, you have the autonomy to go do what you need to do. And we're just constantly trying to push each other to say, who are the essential stakeholders that need to be involved in any project that we have that's cross collaborative, you know, and, and that's it. I, I dug a lot, a lot of the really tactical things you just said in terms of the cadence of the meetings, certainly. Um, I want to go back to one you went by pretty fast too, which I love, which is it's not always no, it's sometimes not now, which I think for these Ooh, like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, you said it. I'm going to give you credit for that one. But No, you said that. I love that. But I, but I think if that's it's not, no, it's it's not a now. powerful tool because sometimes no feels so weighty. But if you say not now or you say we're going to put it in the parking lot, we're going to come back to it, or this might be the next focus, the emotional weight of that no kind of decreases for sure. Um, and, then, you know, I, what a powerful point about giving people the autonomy, you know, keeping the meeting cadence to only what is needed and then giving people the time where they can find the ability to get their own work done and the deep work moment or the, um, what's the other one? The diffused thinking. We talked to, I talked to someone else about, you know, focus. I love that episode. Diffused. Mm -hmm. As soon as I heard that diffused thinking, I didn't have a name for it. Uh, I think that was episode yeah. one. Yep. Um, I immediately blocked you know, for diffuse thinking, because that, that, that always gets to me, you know, I'm a creative person. And, and even if you're not, I think having the ability to take a step back, booking, booking and blocking time to just, just think, walk around, use a whiteboard, draw out processes, right? Like get away from your screen to go focus on things that are a little bit bigger picture, because the only time we do those things is, you know, as marketers in general is like, in the shower, on a walk, um, in the car, right? And so like to do that in an office setting, you're in the right place to take action behind those thoughts, right? And and so booking in that time is extremely important. So I loved that your guest pointed that out. Well, I think it goes well to your earlier point about sometimes, 
even just those moments that you've set aside to you know not be focused when it's the journaling the walking the dog those actually become your diffuse thinking moments right where you are allowing your brain to expand you know i i have to bring something up because you and i are both not only in the same bucket work-wise but we also both have i'm jumping jumping the gun jump into a whole new topic here we also both have kids and I think yeah. that, you know, often on this show, we get excited to talk about how we focus at work. But really, if we zoom out, so much of my life has been around what is important across my life, right? And it's one of those key pillars is always family and kids. And for those folks with kids or prefer babies that they're very excited about, life yeah. is bigger than just work, right? So, you know, kind of as we get a little bit toward the end of the episode, I'd love to hear from you, Drew, about how you find kind of a balance or maybe not a balance, but how you set your focus for your larger life. I mean, like how you, this is getting a little deep, I know, but how do you really think about what you're focused on as Drew, not just in your role? (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's, it's really an interesting challenge right now. Um, You know, when I took my role at Lasso, I started this, this job at the exact same time as I had the kids. You know, and and I'm a first time dad, right? And and having twins. twins off the bat and jumping into a new industry. Like last year was turbulent. You know, I was trying to learn a new industry. Um, I had two team members that started at the same time as me, and trying to guide them and lead them in a new role, new industry, and scope that whole thing out while I'm trying to sort of lead. I guess in the sense of like being a dad at home was was extremely difficult. And I talk about that time to time because um, last year I just had my head down. I was just trying to get through it. And it is tough to balance. I mean, you, you know a lot better than I do. You've had, you've got kids that are a little bit more grown, but um, I'm just trying to think of it in terms of going back to focus too. If I can, um, making sure I do get into the office or get into another environment if I can, like, I, I don't, I have the ability to just work from home. Cool. But one, I like to see people. So I've, you know, we've got people that will go into the office. We usually do one day a week in there, but I'll, I've got another workplace that I go into. And that just allows me to like set the boundary of, okay, when I leave this house, I'm in this mode. Right. And then when I'm back, I'm in dad mode, you know? And so when I'm back, I'm dropping everything. I've wrapped up what I needed to wrap up. Anything beyond that can wait to the next day. And I'm purely focused on being a dad, right? And so just trying to take advantage of those moments right now. And that's not a perfect system, but that's that's sort of worked for me mentally because I'm not jumping from a call to running upstairs and somebody's crying and then, you know, we're, we're doing this and then I've got to, you know, jump on a, a serious phone call and try to recalibrate. Those things are hard to do, number one, but it's it also takes... Um, extreme energy to to pivot and do those things constantly. And so I'm just trying to almost separate them and break them apart um, as best as I can. And um, at the same time, I, I don't want to spend too much time um, wrapped up in my work because this is a special time for the kids. I mean, um, it is going by fast. Like I never thought I'd say that last year, you would have had to convince me that that was the case. But it is, you know, these kids are growing up quick and uh, I just, I love every moment with them. So um, I'm trying to get better at that. I would love to pick your brain about that off this, off this call, but yeah. um, any tips you got? Well, I loved your point. I mean, I really do think when, when I, 
to your point earlier about awareness, that self-reflection, I always felt that the moments I was most emotionally upset with myself or most um, feeling like a failure when it comes to focus and being present, right? When I felt, were those moments where I allowed, um, you know, I should be working to melt into parent time and I should be parenting to melt into. Yeah. And so I feel like the, I, your point about, you know, creating clear boundaries. And a lot of people I talk to think about the transition moments. Like how do you make transitions from one to the other? Yeah. I've heard somebody even say that they just do like three deep breaths when they go into parenting, because if we just rush, like you said, you rush upstairs because the baby's crying or something holy smokes, your mental state is not there. And so I think it all comes back to the first thing you brought up on the call, which is around being aware, um, you know, being aware that when you're parenting, you're in parenting mode, let's be honest, there is nothing harder than having to sit on the floor and play. Oh, you're not even quite there yet. <laughs> An imaginative game when your brain is like, I need to be, right. you know, I got to be dressed. Yeah, your brain's on fire. Like evaluating my channels based on, you know, um, that's right. That's so hard. So there is, I think, and just, you know, for our audience listening, that's why we're on these calls. Like it is not because we do this perfectly. It's because we are all in the middle of an authentic struggle to really help support each other in focusing better and finding the moments that do work, right? Like saying, wow, that's kind of yeah. worked. Or facing up to the fact that there might've been a moment where you looked at yourself and said, that was not my best self. Cause well, I, I have one other thing I'm going to actually take from you that I, that I implement uh, tactically, you know, for anybody that's listening to, especially with the kids, you know, focusing on this work and kids thing. Um, I've got an upstairs and I've got a downstairs in the house, right. And, um, the kids rooms are upstairs. And so anytime I'm with the kids and I go upstairs, I do not take my phone upstairs. Right. So dedicating rooms, um, that are specific for one reason, right? So the kids' rooms are specific for them to play and me be with them and them sleep and yada, yada, yada. I'm leaving my phone downstairs because I don't even want to be tempted, right? I don't, I don't, I dropped this earlier because I heard this on a, on another podcast somewhere, but it's the average amount of times we pick up the phone throughout the day is 200 or 250 times a day. And, and it sounds nuts, right? But like anybody listening to this probably has touched their phone at least three or four times. It's just the reality of it. And so the best way to deal with it, to your point, leave it outside the room. I'm not going to walk all the way downstairs just to grab my phone to scroll mindlessly on a, on a platform. I'm just not. You know, it kills me that we are going to begin to the end of our time here together, but I actually think we're leaving it on a pretty um, big picture note, which is we are not just trying to learn how to focus for ourselves. The kids that we are that are part of our lives, they're watching it too, right? And so absolutely, I think that's so important. Like to not, um, I often talk about the fact that like one of the goals in in my mind of being focused is the person who doesn't pick up their phone at a dinner party. Like to be the person who is present is a huge, yeah. huge challenge. And so I'm so glad to get to talk to you today. You and I will be following, having many more focus sessions um, and perhaps we will record some more fun ones for this audience. But thank you, Drew. It's been wonderful to have you. Yeah, Melissa, thank you so much for the time and the great questions. Well, we will uh, hopefully have you again for another episode in the future. And where can anybody find you or find more out about Lasso? Um, where would you like anyone to follow up and, and, and see you or connect as, as they will? Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're interested in Lasso, Lasso is essentially a workforce management software and marketplace specifically for the live events industry. 
So any live event that takes place, we provide software for those companies that, that hold those events and, and work behind the scenes. So audio, video, lighting. Um, the website's the best place for that. If you want to connect with me, I think it's it's probably LinkedIn, which which is where you and I connected. And, you know, really the go-to place, I think, for for really networking conversations right now. Absolutely. Well, I will talk with you soon. And thank you again for your time today. It's been great seeing you. All right. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks. Bye.